0: And we are live, coming to you on a Saturday morning. It's your host, Edwin for Game Breakers, here to break down the game, give you analysis, give you the energy, give you the enthusiasm, give you all that great stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, I know. Couldn't record on Friday. But you know, these are the reasons why we have these backup days, so that we can do the show at any time, anything possible. So here we are, weekend. I hope you guys had your drink, as usual. Yo. The drink on Fridays matter a lot. You work hard, you grind hard, you deserve a drink. Now for the weekend, you could drink some more. It doesn't matter to you. But point is, is that we are finally here for the weekend. I hope you guys are enjoying it so far. Even if it is early in the morning, it's still a nice, refreshing thought to just relax. If you are relaxing, you know, if you're grinding, if you do work on the weekend, then I guess not. But it is what it is, right? Everyone has different plans and different goals in mind. So we'll see how that goes. But, anyways. Enough of my talking. I'm tired of it. Enough of this motivational speak. Let's dive into the sports because let me tell you guys something, man. We have some business to discuss. Some business to discuss about the Mavericks. Yeah, I know it was two days ago. I get that. But here at Game Breakers, this depending on the news, we are still gonna talk about that news and how it affects the whole entire team and the league itself. Yeah, Mavericks trading for Christian Wood. In exchange for the 26th overall pick, Boban Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris. All guys who I don't really see having an impact on the Rockets anyway. So, who won the trade? The Mavericks obviously did, right? Because now you get a stretch four. And you know what's funny? I actually called this trade to happen. Not this trade specifically, but I actually thought that Christian would be a good piece for the Mavericks last season. When they needed a a nice stretch, for they needed someone that could score their own bucket, that could offer some versatility. Well, another guy like Jeremy Grant. You know, I talked about Jeremy Grant a couple of days ago, and I was saying to myself, he's a nice player, nice player. He can score the basketball. He has an array of moves that he can get to the basket, and ultimately, he's been playing on a mediocre slash terrible situation that has caused him to shine. So I wonder how he would play in a good situation, but for the most part, I think he's one of those players that can fill in and kind of slide into any role uh, for any team and then produce at a high level. Uh, Christian Wood could be that guy. 17 points two assists last season on a bad Rockets team. Rockets team that did not have any cohesion, did not have any chemistry, had the likes of turning the ball over every possession, pretty much. I'm just joking. But, you know, the point is is that they were just a rock mess. Not their fault, though. They're young and experienced. The coach is is, is young too, uh, but for the most part, they need some growing. And you saw last season, they had a lot of growing pains, a lot. Maybe Christian Wood was one of the bright spots of that team. But ultimately, he gets to go from a losing team to a team that was in the Western Conference Finals. Wow. So what does this move do for the Mavericks? I'll tell you what it does. Does this put them over the top? Of course not. I mean, Let's stop right there. Christian Wood is a good player, but he's not going to be the guy to elevate this Mavericks team into being a team that was better than what they were. I mean, they're going to be better, obviously, but they're not going to be pushed over the top to really compete again for the Western Conference Finals. I think they need more than that. But ultimately, he does provide some good uh, scoring abilities. He does provide some defensive versatility. And if he's not that good at defense, which is is not really his strong suit anyway, He's going into a system where Jason Kidd has allowed his players to buy into the whole defensive philosophy where they can thrive and they can actually play some defense and actually make an impact on that end as opposed to being a great offensive scoring unit. So it's good. It's good. He also goes into a team where he can hopefully be efficient, hopefully have better players around him, which he will, and Luca and Jalen Brunson, um, some good three-point shooters, Tim Hardaway, uh, you you know, um, Davis Bertans. If you want to count Dorian Finney-Smith, I guess you can count him as well, too. You know, Maxie Kleber. But the point is, is that these guys will be able to now play off of his quote-unquote post game. You know, Kristen Ward does like to camp around the three-point line sometimes, which I saw a couple of times last season with the Rockets. But ultimately, he is that mid-range to, to uh, the basket kind of player that can operate and maybe change the whole entire offensive uh, scheme for the Mavericks. Now, that will be remain to be seen on how kid uses him going into next season. But ultimately, they are looking good right now. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to say that they're going to have a chance to really be a, a legit contender, even though they have higher odds than the, than the Heat next season, which is kind of stupid to me. But you know, they they have a case of a good foundation, a good head coach so far who has been through the the bumps on the road. Right, he has been through the bumps, fired every you know five places. And he comes over here, he has learned from his mistakes, and he has changed the philosophy of the Mavericks to playing defense, making that their first priority, which is why they were top five in the league in defense this year, and then having a star on Luca who can get you a bucket, who can change the game for you any time of the time of the game. Um, And ultimately, when things weren't working, I commended his adjustments of utilizing Jalen Brunson, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie to really uh, make an emphasis on the game as opposed to having Luca initiate all the offense all the time. And now you have a guy in Christian Wood who should possibly be able to give you another offensive boost for this team that will carry them into the postseason. So, yes, it's a good move for me. I'll give it a B+, plus, um, because I think that it's still a good, positive move to make. But it's not an A for me, only because I don't really see this team really contending as far as a deep postseason run again with Christian Wood on the team. I don't, you know, it's possible. Of course, it's possible. They they just made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. But I mean, the West may be a little bit tougher. I mean, we say this every year, right? But it's true, though. West may be a little bit more tougher next year. And do I see this team being a good team? Of course. A playoff team? Definitely. Could bet money on that, even though I won't. But the point is, is that Christian Wood does make them a better team, but doesn't make them a great team. Doesn't make them a great team. Um, He still doesn't add size to this team. They still don't have a rim protector. Uh, They still don't have any rebounding uh, advantage now in in that department. So, yeah, he's good. And maybe you relegate Dorian Finney-Smith to the bench now. But still, I mean, that bench unit may be a little bit more solid. Still, I don't really trust guys like Dorian Finney-Smith to make an impact off the bench. Sometimes he went off for some of these great games, and he does play some good defense. I get that. But. I mean, off the bench, if you're expecting the guys come and make an impact, I'm gonna look for Dorian Finney Smith to do that. I don't know. It, it, it's all it's all remain to be seen for the coming season, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the season offseason isn't over, didn't really start yet. So they can make some more moves that will make me believe, okay, this team has the the makings of uh Western Conference Finals appearance again, and actually uh, uh NBA finals appearance too. You never know uh, because now we we have seen Luca carry this team against the best team in the, in the West, in the NBA. Okay. So yeah, it's possible. It's all possible. And that, that all starts with signing Jalen Brunson. Now that you traded away um, some of these other pieces, some of these other uh, players now we're hearing reports that Jalen Brunson's contract extension is much more likely or re-signing is much more likely. So that's, that's a good thing for them. Um, but we'll see exactly what happens in the coming offseason in that future, right? We'll see if they can put the pen to paper and they can offer this guy the money that he has made throughout these past uh, couple of games in the postseason. But for the Rockets, I mean, the best thing about this is that you get, um, you know, some players, I guess, right? You get some players... And Bobon, who can maybe help you. I don't know. Sterling Brown, eh. Chay Burke, eh. I mean, you traded away Christian Wood, and, and you got back the 26th overall pick, which is pretty good, though. You're a young team, and this is how you want to build, right? You want to build through the draft. Uh, you want to build through trying to find a way to build a foundation for your team. Yes, there will be some more growing pains because it's still mostly young players. But You have some veteran players on that team now, and – Trey Burke, I guess, and Bobon, who doesn't really, I don't know if he counts or not, Sterling Brown, but these are not impact players for me. So it's like the only sweetening part of this trade was the 26 overall pick, which is what you have to utilize to get a guy like Christian Wood, obviously, right? You have to surrender one of your picks. Point is, is that Rockets are still a long way from contending. Uh, they're still on the, uh, you know, the uh, tendency to trend upward, trying to make something happen and it's going to be another rocky season for them next year that's what i predict because i don't really see i can see that they have some more um some more impact and some more consistency from a guy like jalen green but for the most part i think that you know it's going to take a while for this team to get together and to gel correctly but good thing you have some talent there jalen green kevin porter junior um david nawaba i think uh yeah there's so, so many people there so many people there, right? That that just, oh, offering Sangoon, those are my guys too. So these guys are going to grow. They're going to try and pan out. And hopefully you have another pick in the 26 overall to try and help you get that process going and to build more foundation, to get more uh, team players, more players that will put the team first other than putting themselves first, right? We'll work within the system. That is the biggest thing so far because Silas... Steven Silas has to find a way to get players that will work within his system. I know that you are in a rebuilding state, but you don't really have too much time. I mean, it's a job you're 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 expected to really nurture and enhance the style of these players, which is a tough job to do in itself because you just never know how a player may turn out and how a player may pan out going into the uh, coming seasons. But it's his job to pick out, help out, pick out a player that he envisions will help his team win games and will buy into the philosophy that he is trying to instill at this time of place. So we'll see what happens. But overall, I'll give the Rockets a C+. I mean, you got back some players that I'm not really too fond of, that I don't see any of them helping them win. Maybe Boban, maybe Trey Burke. The goal is not to win this season anyway, but I don't really see any of these guys breaking that rotation because I wouldn't play any of these guys over the young squad that we have. I'm not going to lie. I'm not. Maybe Silas sees it differently. Maybe he wants to utilize these guys to inject some offense and some some character building within the team. I get that, you know, but ultimately, I don't really want to play any of these guys um, over my young talent. I just don't. I don't you know. So it is what it is. It is what it is. All right. Moving on. Yes. Yes, sir. Before we even get to the NBA Finals, you know, we're going to talk about that in a second. But let's go on to uh, James Harden, likely to sign a short-term contract extension. Um, Yeah, it makes the most sense, if I'm being honest here. He opted out. uh, The the Sixers are actually reluctant to give him that full max, which they should be, because he's an agent superstar. Yes, he does give you uh, a lot of impact on the game, even though that is kind of deteriorating. And that hasn't been the same since the past couple of years. But for the most part, the window is short regardless of what happens. I, I even said this before, like even if they were to give Harden this max extension, the window is still short. It's still short because that is all dependent. That is all predicated on the health of Joel Embiid. Right. And giving Harden a five year deal. It would be too much, too much. That five year deal. And you would, you would say that they have a window of five years to try and win. No, it's actually maybe three and a half, maybe two and a half, because Joel Embiid cuts that down because of his injury history. That is the reason why you can't really bank on James Harden um, being here for the long term. And also just the idea of, yeah, I don't want to keep on making this a point about his performances in the playoffs. I don't want to make a, a point that, you know, he doesn't really produce as well as he should be in the playoffs. Uh, But the point is, is that Joel Embiid is a win-now kind of guy. Superstar, top five in the league, win-now kind of guy. You need to have the most right now to try and win. So signing James Harden to a short-term extension is a good idea for me. It really is. It's the no-brainer, you know, because um, I don't see how the Sixers are going to find a way to build a team, a consistent team for the ongoing two-plus years to help them win a championship. I think that they're doing a good job right now as it stands to try and explore some trade options. We talked about Danny Green and trying to explore those options of trying to trade him in the 23rd overall pick to getting an impact player. We don't know who that's going to be, but we also have some reports about them exploring some options, trying to trade their role players. Tobias Harris is one of them. So they are in the running for trying to build a team right now that's going to help them have the maximum opportunity to win a championship next season. So I love it. I, I love it a lot. So do your job. Right. Get him a short term contract. Doesn't matter. Um, He's way past that five year extension, four year extension anyway. For me, I, I at this point of his career, I wouldn't give it to him. I would not. I know what James Harden is. I know what he was, too. And what he was is nothing compared to what he is right now. It's nothing compared to that. Yeah, he can be a good regular season player. But when it comes down to the postseason in the games where it really matters, where it's nitty gritty. It would need you to play your best performances. It would need you to elevate your game. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's actually a, a bad look when Joel Embiid plays better than you do in the postseason after having a thumb injury, after having a broken face. It's not a good look. It's not at all. So I like this move about giving him a short-term extension deal, um, and we'll see what happens in the future. But let's monitor that. Um also, good news for the Sixers that all signs do point to him coming back. I mean, you wouldn't make this deal. You wouldn't make this trade if he didn't come back, right? If he wouldn't uh, think about coming back, that would be kind of stupid. And that would really behoove me as a, as a person, as a fan watching. Like, why would you trade for him? And we don't have any certainty that he comes back and plays for us in a 76ers uniform. Why? Like, why would we do that? Why? But anyways, moving on. Uh, So Deshaun Watson. Yes, Deshaun Watson. We have some more news regarding Deshaun Watson. NFL finally, and I say finally, NFL is finally seeking a significant suspension for Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson. It's about damn time. I don't know exactly why it took so long. Why are you even considering? Like suspend him already. Suspend him. The league will probably call uh, for a one-year suspension for violations of the league's personal conduct policy Okay. Um, And that's good. That's good. Right. I mean, this is not really big news for us anyway at this point, guys, because you know me and the past couple of guests I had here, we talked about it. We analyzed it. We spoke about how he's wrong. We know that it's a bad look. It's a major bad look. The more news that come out, it's more and more of a bad look for him and his persona and for the team, the Cleveland Browns and going back to the Houston Texans too. But ultimately I think that this is the right move to try and, Suspend him and give him a break from football, man. Seriously, because he needs it. (laughs) He needs it. Deshaun Watson, I'm not sure what you've been doing, but it has not looked good. I'm not sure exactly what rumors I'm hearing, but they are not good at all. You need some help, buddy. You need some help, okay? And the woman who had to go through this, I'm sorry for you. I I really am. I really am. Never want to hear something like this at all, but, you know, we'll, we'll try and have justice for you guys whatever way possible uh but Deshaun Watson yeah you gotta go yeah you have to be suspended you can't play which bodes well for my team because we do play the Cleveland Browns next season and I was hoping not to play Deshaun Watson anyway because you already know what he does in the football field but now that might be a game that I could look forward to saying yeah I could check out check that off for a W you know on my, on my schedule. Hey, it is what it is. You know, I, at, at this point, you're trying to win. I'm trying to win. I'm trying to win. Okay. So I don't mind not facing Deshaun Watson. What was it week three? I think we faced the Browns week three. No, week two, probably week two. Yeah, it might be week two. Uh, But anyways, it don't matter. It don't matter. All right. He's gone. He might be gone. Okay. Now. Guys. Let me tell you, let me, let me let me have a short pause here for a second, right? Let me tell you, I was able to sleep so well the past two days. Thursday night, I slept like a baby. Friday, I slept like a baby. You know, I don't even snore, but I was snoring that day. You know why? Because the Boston Celtics lost in the NBA Finals. Yes, call me a hater. Yes, call me a Heat fan. Yes, say I'm still sick off us losing in Game 7. I hear all of that. Do I care? No, I don't care. I don't care. Why would I care? Okay, my purpose in the NBA Finals was to see them lose, and it happened. Okay? Not a big Warriors fan, as I said before. I'm not. I don't really care for them too much. but. I definitely did want to see the Celtics lose, and they lost in terrible fashion, too, by the way. I mean, seriously. So let's dissect this whole entire game. Let's just get down to the gritty things, okay? Let's get down to it. Because I wonder, what the hell was all this talk about Jason Tatum being a superstar? What is it? Excuse me. Well, I mean, what was it? Okay. Yeah, okay, I'm going to give you guys this right here before I even start talking. Tatum has proven to me that he is on the brink of becoming a superstar. On the brink. That's being nice. Considering what we saw this postseason, that's being nice to me. Because there were so many times, every time actually, that we questioned his ability to take over games, which he did deliver at times. But Jason Tatum was knocking on that door. He is not a superstar at the moment. But Jason Tatum over me? Over Jimmy Butler? Are you crazy? Yo, in an elimination game, Butler drops 47 points. (laughs) In an elimination game for the the Celtics, Tatum drops 13 points. In an elimination game, 47 to 13. I want to hear nothing about this guy. Please. Yeah, He's still young, though. Don't get me wrong; like he's just about to turn 24, I believe. So he's still young. I'm not gonna go all in the detail about Jason Tatum. I'm not. I'm not gonna go all in the detail about my guy because he played well this season. He played well this postseason, but still cannot deny a hundred turnovers this postseason is a lot, a lot. And when you look at that stat alone, I'm not even trying to be biased here, but I say to myself, how the hell did this team get to the NBA Finals? When he had a hundred turnovers. How? But I'll tell you how. The great defense that we all rave, rave about. You know, that that good coach that they have in Ime Udoka. You know, that solid team that they have. The other running mate in Jalen Brown. That's how they got to the NBA Finals. But damn, this team was terrible when it comes to taking care of the basketball. I mean, downright terrible. Terrible. But... Let's go quarter to quarter. What the hell happened? Okay, so Celtics fan was loud. The fans were, were were bugging in the beginning of the game. They were loud as hell. All right, they had reason to be. They, this is the last time they will see their team play at the at the arena. You had reason to be, so you have to be loud as heck. All right, and you look at the first start, the first five minutes of the games you know maybe four or three minutes of the game all Celtics all Celtics all Celtics I mean seriously 14 to four lead 10point lead geez I'm thinking to myself oh it might be one of them games where the Warriors don't come to play I mean prior to that point they had been what over three and close out games on the road lost of the nuggets lost of the Grizzlies lost of the Mavericks so yeah They didn't have a shot here, I guess you could say, right? But, you know, I just knew that, at least in the beginning of the game, it looked like from what it was going to be that the game was going to be over. You can't really judge it off of the first five minutes of the game anyway, but I'm just saying the energy, the crowd was buzzing, the way the Warriors were looking, the way they were defending in that game, the first five minutes led some people to believe that this might not be a game for the Warriors to win at all. But... What I said was, and I was going to stick by this, that, you know, you just need a couple of shots making. You need a couple of shots. You need to be able to get one or two shots and one or two stops and you're right back in it. You know, down by eight is not a lot of points. And That's what happened. OK, uh, we had a first uh, bucket. I believe it was by Andrew Wiggins, who has been the unsung hero. We'll talk about him in a couple of minutes. But ultimately, the Warriors went on this incredible run. Being down by four by ten. You know, it reminded me of the heat in game two against the Boston Celtics. We were up by ten. And then we we're down by eleven <laughs> at the end of the first quarter. Like yo, they were up by they were, the Boston Celtics were up by ten. They were down by five at the end of the first quarter. That's a quick change of events. In the second quarter, it's all warriors, shot making ability. All that happened mostly with Steph Curry on the bench. Jordan Poole, in the beginning of the first half, goes off. 15 points, all right? Klay Thompson, not the best night. We're not going to talk about him in a second. But these guys came out to play. Came out to play. And the best thing about it was they were getting stops. They were getting stops, right? Celtics only scored 90 points. A lot of that has to do with the defense that the Warriors displayed in the first half. That is how you defend properly. I have raved about how Steph Curry is not the best defender out there and he got exposed. Pretty much he has gotten exposed. Yeah. But to his credit, he did play some marvelous defense in that closeout game. What was he like 5 for 15 for any player that was guarding that was being guarded by Steph Curry oh, five or 5 oh, what would the case may be But like, It was a, it was a poor stat. Credit to him for that. Credit to him. I do believe that yes, yeah, Steph Curry benefits a lot from Jamon Green having the the knowledge and the, the presence there to be able to be more free on defense and not get cooked as much. So that's part of the reason why he's able to at least floor sometimes. But ultimately, as a one-on-one defender, I'm not too key on him being the best. I think he's kind of mediocre. But the point is that he had a really, really good game in game six on defense. And that's what you want from your star players to do. Lead from uh, the defensive end. Lead from a, a an, an end that they are not used to being led from, or they're not being used to uh, leading from. So that was great to see. Okay. Um, I must say for this guy to have 11 points at halftime and to have three, two points in the second half, Jason Tatum, my goodness, boy, oh boy. I mean, I gave him some uh, criticism already about how, you know, Jimmy Butler and all that great stuff, but to be honest, how? Like how? How can you do that? What? Like name me what star player? I mean, there's probably plenty, but why? As a star player for your team, as the man on your team, how can you have only 13 points in a closeout game? How can you have only two points in the second half? I'll tell you how. Andrew Wiggins, baby. Andrew Wiggins, the wig. Once again, a nice performance by my guy. 18 points. Six rebounds, five assists, four of nine from the three. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins. Without Andrew Wiggins, the Warriors lose this series in five. I'm being honest. Without Andrew Wiggins, the Warriors lose this series in five. I'm being so honest, guys, because the ability to defend at a high level on Tatum and the ability to go get his bucket too. The unsung hero. You know, every time the finals rolls around, there's always that unsung hero. Danny Green. Um, for the Lakers, it's more of like a I don't know for the Lakers who would be, but uh, yeah, Danny Green, Fred Van Vliet, slash Kyle Lowry, maybe. Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins, guys. This guy right here did his job the entire finals. And from what it's worth, being drafted the first overall and to win a championship with the Warriors means a lot. Means a lot. Okay, he did his job. I love this play. He brought the energy. You know, he uh, a couple of, uh, I think a couple of years ago, he was like, yo, I'm not soft. Something like that. Like, I'm not soft. And those who play ball know that I ain't soft. Oh, he's not soft at all. He ain't soft. He is not soft at all. But this guy did his job. Jamon Green. What did I say? What did I say? I'm not gonna come over here and brag or anything, but I'm just gonna say that coming going into game five. I said I refuse to believe that Jamon Green would have another poor, terrible game, putrid game. He had a good performance in game five, and he followed that up by having he was probably the best player on the court for the Warriors by far. By far. 12 points. Twelve rebounds, eight assists. He was everywhere, defense, offense, initiating every single where. The tenacity was there. J-Mon Green hitting shots. You know what's funny, guys? Um, Mike Green after him hitting one three. He's like, Jalen's feeling it. I think uh, uh, Jeff Van Gun is like, he's how is he feeling it off of one off of one three? Which is true. Like, how is he gonna feel it off of one three? But then later on in that game, he hit another three. And then later on in that game, shot clock running down, he hoists up a long two pointer. He hits that. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on? Draymond is on to something right now. Draymond is on to something. This guy is going crazy. One personal five, two. Yes, Draymond. You could always count on Draymond to have a, a great performance. I say great, a great performance when it comes down to a closeout game. You can always count on him to do that because this guy has elevated his game the past two games and it mattered a lot. Going back into April, this is the same team that has not lost back to back games. And they lost three straight. That's a big change around. They lost three straight, you know? And I must say, uh, great job, by the way. Uh, game six, Clay did not come to play, but. Going back to his whole timeline of how he was injured, coming back, rehabbing. He even spoke about this on his uh, interview, you know, when they won the finals. And it's just so remarkable. It's so touching to hear how he would come back. Stephen A called it. I didn't see it happening. If I'm going to be honest, I didn't see it happening. Stephen A said that with Clay Thompson being healthy, this team would make it back to the finals. I did not see it happen. But Clay Thompson, for what it's worth. There were some games where he really came out to play and he did his job. I still do believe that a full season of rehabbing and, you know, not not so much rehabbing, but just training will do him justice into getting that groove back because there were times in this finals in the postseason where he didn't really play too well, didn't have the rhythm going, took a lot of bad shots, but Clay Thompson, I mean, there was a couple of shots in the first quarter where he's just on one leg, step back. I'm like, yo, what are you doing here? One of them. But, Ultimately, it was bad shots for me. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? And that was one of their first buckets, too, to try and get into the game after they were, like, being clobbered. But, um, you know, for what it's worth, 5 20, doesn't matter when you win a championship. <laughs> I'll tell you that. 5 20 does not matter when you win a championship. All right? I'll i will save uh, Iguodala because he did come into the game. And he also did have that chance to play one last, I think, one last finals game. He might retire. Maybe, maybe not. But I think that was a nice moment in the game where Steve Kerr actually gave his veteran a guy that has helped him win championships before, has helped him, you know, get there. He deserves that. He really does. Steve Kerr, by the way, damn, nine titles as a player and a coach. It's pretty good. That is pretty good. All right. that I, I, I commend him a lot. Because the, there are going to be some people that are going to say that Steve Kerr is a product of the players that he has on his team. Steph, Clay Thompson, Jamon Green. Yeah, but the philosophy matters a lot. It does. You know, this, this is why I love to back my guys and Eric Spoelstra because, yeah, he was a product of LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. But, no, he elevated that whole entire coaching plan, the scheme, the philosophy. He has become a great head coach. Steve Kerr has become a great head coach. That's why these guys are part of the all-time list of great head coaches. Because they have elevated. What was put down as a foundation, they have elevated and they have maximized it. So, kudos to them. And you can see that these seasons, the past couple of seasons, their work speaks for themselves. Eric Spolster, I know that he hasn't been to the finals. He only won finals appearance in the past three years. Um, But... This year, one shot away, one game away from the finals again. Steve Kerr, six out of eight finals in the past eight seasons. Four finals wins. It's pretty damn good. That is pretty damn good. So I must say, great job by by Steve Kerr to just elevate this whole entire philosophy that he was given and to just improve upon it. Because, you know, trying to man-manage any of these star players is a tough job in itself. But he has a lot of trust with his players, his young players, his veterans, his core, and they work well together. They work really well together. There were so many times in that game, if you are an impatient head coach, you can see a guy like Jordan Poole coming off the bench, you know, all these step back. This guy hoops like he's in the freaking pickup game. It's so crazy. Step back threes, hoisting it up, and if he bricks it, it's a bad brick. Steve Kerr is shaking his head, but he leaves him in there. And then a couple of plays later, Jordan Poole makes a spectacular play. You see, you can't be hot headed You can't be. You can't be impatient. These guys are going to help you win basketball games. And that's what he did. Jordan Poole helped him win that basketball game on Thursday night. Uh, But let's now go to my guy, Steph Curry. Steph Curry, 34 points, uh, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Let me read you his great, great, great achievements now. Uh, He has... Four-plus NBA titles, two-plus MVPs, one-plus NBA finals, Stephen Curry. Yeah, I will follow on the bandwagon and say that Steph Curry is a top-ten player in the NBA in history. Yeah, he made a great case. He made a great case. Like Stephen A. said, and, you know, it's my opinion that I haven't really seen any of these other guys play who are on that list because of my age, because of how old they were when they were playing different generation, I get all that. But I'm going off of what I see here. And I'm saying that he has a chance. He has a, a great case to be made that he should replace one of those guys on the top 10. He has to. He has to. One of those guys got to go. One of them. Because Steph Curry has single-handedly revolutionized the whole entire game of basketball. He really has. Which is why when we have these all Hall of Fame talks, we talk about how these players made an impact in the advancement and the development of the game. Steph Curry is going to be an easy first team hall like, ballot, whatever the case may be, because he has single-handedly changed how people play basketball. It's sometimes a frustrating thing to look at. Some of these kids want to stop and pop threes instead of go to the rack. But ultimately, Steph Curry has been that dude. Top five point guard, yes. I think that if he continues to win more championships, he's going to be the best point guard in in history. He will be. By then, it won't have any type of consideration. To me, Yes. So I don't care about the whole floor general, the whole passing first. Yeah, that all matters. But no, I want to see your impact on the court. Can you help our team win? If you can, then so be it. So be it. Steph Curry, put every team to bed. Every single team to bed. The Nuggets, the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, now the Celtics. Every team to bed. You know, I like that celebration so much that I'm going to start using it. I really am because that is a nice celebration to have. Put them to bed. Put them to bed. So cool. So cool. Steffordless. Steffordless. And there were so many points in that time that the Celtics tried to make a comeback. I mean, going on to the Celtics, right, we had a great, great, great performance by uh, Al Horford and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, um, 12-23, 34 points. This guy came out to play. Yeah, we're going to talk about his turnovers in a second, but ultimately, this guy on the offensive end kept that team in it. Al Horford. This guy has not had a sniff of the finals ever, has not made it to the finals ever. And he was playing as if he knew what it took to keep this season alive. Yeah, he has been the veteran of the team. But ultimately, none of these players have any finals experience. None of them do. A young team filled with some role players, filled with some nice veterans, maybe one or two veterans. But ultimately, nobody on this roster has had any finals experience. And they have a rookie head coach. So going back into this whole talk about how I was saying that If you are a team that's expected to make a run for the finals and you don't make it, it's a failure. I'm going to retract that statement quickly by saying that um, the Celtics, for me, had a great season. You know, I know they didn't win the finals, but let's face it. At the start of the the beginning of the season, I actually called the team not to make the playoffs. I was wrong by a long shot, by a mile. And these guys, so many question marks about breaking up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Finding a way to just you know retool, rekindle, and and build the team up. They have a new rookie head coach, so it won't be a, a rush process anyway. But the way this team was able to play great defense, the way they were able to just kick on and just have this great run and play some some of their best basketball heading into the postseason, and then sweeping the Nets, and then you know yeah, we could say they didn't have Chris Middleton, but they beat the Bucks, they beat my Heat in the Game Seven, you know. They had a two-to-one lead against the Warriors. This team had a great season. They did. They, They really did. With a rookie head coach that now they have a foundation with, they have a great defensive foundation on that team. And on top of that, some young stars, too. Yeah, they had a great season. A great season. It was not a failure by any means necessary. It was not. Maybe next season you go into how to take care of the basketball. That should be your main priorities. Taking care of the basketball and just making your free throws. So many times this season, this playoff season, that they just did not make the free throws. Not the best. But ultimately, they had a great, great season. A great season. But going back to Al Horford, Al Horford was playing out of his mind as if he knew what it felt like to be in the finals. And he was just single-handedly keeping this team in the game. 19 points, 6-8 from the field, 4-5 or from the 3, 14 rebounds. This guy played great. Robert Williams, 10 points, 7 rebounds. I think he had like 5 blocks in that game. You know, I have to give credit to Robert Williams. I really do. Because his impact on the game will never be on offense. But the way he's able to impact this team and keep them in the game through defense is something that I love to see for a player. I really do. I mean, Robert Williams, for me... Did his job. Did his job, okay? There was one play where they caught a foul on on him when I believe, um, I think Jordan Poole took a layup and he got blocked. It was actually a clean block for me. Caught a foul. His fouls, I mean, his blocks were so clean that entire game. They were so clean. So, so clean. He played some great defense. So clean. If it wasn't for Jamon Green and how he was playing defense that game, Robert Williams would have been the best defensive player in that game but because of how great jaymond was playing i can't really give it to robert williams but the point is, is that he was a close second you know um and once again right if this team doesn't have a great performance from marcus smart more times than not they won't win nine points four of twelve six rebounds nine assists is pretty good though i won't say I that's pretty good as well That's what he does. That is his role. He is the point guard for the team. But ultimately, when he doesn't have a great offensive game or an efficient offensive game, they won't win. So what it is is what it is. If you get, you know, the reason why they won against the Heat in the game seven was because he dropped 20 plus points. He doesn't do that. They don't win that game. You know, Um, we go to their role players. Remember when I said that their role players would play much better in the game six crowd behind them? They would have a chance to really put an imprint on this game. These guys did not come to play at all. Grant Williams, Derek White, Peyton Pritchard, 0 for 2. Um, Grant Williams, 1 of 2. Derek White, 1 of 6. Damn. I mean, did you guys play at all? I guess you could put, I mean, he's not a role player, but as far as bad performances go, you could definitely put Jason Tatum in that mix too. Now, let's talk about the, the turnovers because the turnovers were a big, big deal in this game once again. I am going to keep on emphasizing that you cannot win a game when you have one, two, three, 23 total turnovers. 23. Listen, it does not matter how great defense you play, how good of a defense you have, does not matter at all if you are turning the ball over every other offensive possession. It does not matter. Okay? Because what did I say before? Even the, what did I say when the postseason started? I said that they would beat the Nets because even though what perceived, what I perceived was that they wouldn't be able to hang around the quote unquote great, great offense, the potent offense of the Nets. They would be able to get stops on defense that would help them to be in the game. And just, it comes down to making plays at the end to just steal the game. That's what happened. They got the stops that they needed, and they were able to also create some great scoring opportunities to win games and sweep them. But you can't try and win a game or play that same philosophy. Well, they, didn't, they actually didn't play that same philosophy, but you can't try and play against the Warriors and then turn the ball over while playing some great defense and then trying to figure it out on offense. You just can't do that. Especially when the Warriors had a guy, Andrew Wiggins, that was – single-handedly taking away one of their options for scoring. We have to be honest here, guys. The team runs through Tatum and Brown. If one of them is not scoring the basketball, and one of them is, now it's relied upon for the other role players to make an impact in the game. And we saw in this game that these role players did not come out to play at all. At all. Elimination game, closing, closing um, your backs against the wall, did not come out to play. Did not come out to play. 11-28 from the three. Warriors shot 19-46, 41%. And that's actually pretty close, if we're being honest here. But, you know, 41% to 39% for the Celtics. But the point is, is that the turnovers, man, a lot of unforced turnovers. It goes back to what I was saying before. Tatum. He is very, very um passive sometimes. You know, when you have Kevon Looney on you, bruh. Ah, Go to the rack. Don't settle. Don't pass that. Go to the rack. Go to the rack, man. He's taking all these shots against Andrew Wiggins, and he's locking him down. He's locking him down. I mean, when you have any mismatch, that should be the time where you take your shots. Kavon Looney, Steph Curry. You know, even in some cases, Klay Thompson. Because Klay Thompson is not what Andrew Wiggins was in that series. But these guys over here, he's passing the ball when he has these guys on him. What, what are you doing? Nah, man, nah. And Jalen Brown, you know, once again, so many points in that game where this guy drives. And he has that dog mentality where he had 34 points. But this guy drives. He The double team comes late. He's not conscious of that fact that they're going to throw a double team at me, even if it's late or not. They're going to throw it at me at some point when I'm driving. And I have to find a way to be ready to get rid of the ball. He's not ready at all. He's actually never ready. And he turns the ball over. That's what happens. You know, going into this game plan for game six, right? We saw that when they switched the ball for the Warriors, right? And you had a guy as in Al Horford on Steph Curry. Um, We have to find a way to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Don't wait. Start trapping. Don't wait. Start trapping. But... We have a case of one of the plays where Tatum rotates. He he traps a slow trap. He gives a slow trap, and it rotates, extra pass, finds Andrew Wiggins in the corner for a three, bang. You know, that's still an okay double because you did decide to double team him, but you got to double team him faster than that, man, faster. I mean, this guy is cooking you guys at this point. 34 points is cooking. He's cooking you guys. So why are we taking so long to trap this guy? Seriously, I had never understood that at all. At all. Okay? And, you know, on the vice versa end, right, we have a case of when they saw that Steph Curry was being guarded, or when they saw that he was guarding Tatum or Brown one-on-one, Draymond Green, Andrew Wiggins, immediately. They they there. They are there. They are there. We spin. They force him. Steph Curry does a good job of forcing the guy to spin. And then we have Jermon Green, Andrew Wiggins there for an easy pickpocket pass. I mean pickpocket, uh, easy pickpocket, An easy a easy turnover. Like, where is that for the Warriors uh when they're being guarded? Where is that, Celtics? Because on the other end, they play some great defense. Why aren't you guys doing the same thing? I don't I don't get it. I, I have no clue. The double team for them was so quick. That they forced you guys to pass to your role players, who, by the way, were not hitting that game. So they were willing to die by that shot that the role players would take. And they won that matchup a lot, which led them to getting well defensive stops, which led them to our rebounding the Celtics 44 to 41. You know what's funny? Yes, the Celtics are a much bigger team. Yes, they have a bigger paint presence. But ultimately, I would say that in the paint, more times than not, Kevon Looney worked them. He worked them. He worked both Robert Williams and Al Horford in the paint. When it comes to, like, just rebounding aspect and just second chance points, he worked them. And because the Warriors got more stops, they were able to get more rebounds, which is not what we envisioned coming into the series. You know, I thought those Celtics would get more stops. I thought they would be able to out-rebound the Warriors by 10. Well, it did not happen. You know, you saw some plays in the season where Robert Williams, as great as a, a rebounder he is, this guy takes plays off sometimes, if I'm being honest. You contest the shot, okay, good. That goal search off for the rebound. So many times where uh, I, I play, uh, and a play and a player, as in Gary Payton, gets the rebound after he misses the shot because Robert Williams does not decide to box out. He just thinks the play is over. Like, the play is never over until you get the rebound. It's never over. Never over. So, I I at no points in that game, yes, despite the fact that the Celtics made this nice comeback, they were down by as much as nine points, the closest they've been since the first quarter. Yeah, I get all that. Despite all that, I never at one point in that game thought they would come back to win it. Never. Never. Yeah, they were down by 20 points. They cut it down to nine, but never. Because you could just see how much of a veteran team the Warriors were playing like at that point of the game, at points in the game. They had a mission. They were on that mission. They had a goal, and that goal was being achieved each and every quarter. quarter. And for what it's worth, what did I say before? They had to just make some shots to get back into the game. When they finally started hitting on those shots, they just took off, and they never looked back. They didn't matter what the Celtics did at that point, they would never be able to catch up to the Warriors. Never. Never. So, you know, the Warriors, for me, also came down to hitting some big shots in the fourth quarter. Andrew Wiggins, Steph Curry, put him to bed. You know, Draymond Green playing some great defense. I think at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he blocks Marcus Small on the layup attempt. It's pretty damn good. So they, they, they were on this mission that you could see the, the Warriors would not lose this game, which is why, I called the warriors to win in six. It is what it is. But might I say, this team and its dynasty is here to stay, man. Seriously, because I, I don't know. I, I can't see any team. Maybe uh the I don't really know what to be I can't even give you guys any other predictions. I can't. I can't see any team beating them. Unless the teams, as in maybe the Heat, the Celtics, uh, the Nets, obviously, if they retool the Bucks. Maybe if these teams retool and they get better, I'm not sure if any other East team can beat them. You know, but we'll see what happens. I mean, the Warriors, for me, have been playing great. That dynasty is here to stay. The veteran core is there. The young players who are coming up the ranks is there. The head coach is there. The foundation is there. The team itself is there. The, fa- the fan base is there. I mean, what more do you need? What more do you need at this point? I don't know. It's tough. It is tough. But ultimately, though, great job by this team to win a fourth title in eight years. Great, great job for them. All right, guys. Now we are at the end of the show. The end credits is here. Yes, yes, I know. Keep on watching that. But anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I hope that you guys continue to support MBS and support myself here at Game Breakers. Keep on tuning in for the shows. Yes, it was supposed to be Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. But this week, it was Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. All right? So, yeah, it is what it is. But stay tuned for that. And we will come back for you next week where we'll be breaking down the game, giving you guys analysis, and some more news and sports topics in the future. It is your guy, Edwin, and I am out. Peace!